Women should feel empowered to pull each other up. We want to build a community to share other women's stories. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Tea with TE. I am Sarah Herman, and this week I'm really excited to be joined by Tania Britton. She is a marketing executive and mother, and we are excited to dive into some important topics today. Tania, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's fun to be here. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about um, some really topics I'm excited to talk about, you know, being a woman in a professional workforce and really just navigating our journeys uh, in this corporate world. And, you know, Tanaya has such an inspiring story. We really connected quickly over some similar experiences. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and building a community and just how to really build a life for yourself that is fulfilling and feels more meaningful and, you know, really works, um, really works for what your specific needs are. So why don't you first just high level, give us an introduction on sort of yourself and, and your background? Sure. Um, I, you know, I was in corporate world um, for about 16 plus years, uh, primarily in advertising and then went in house um, for a marketing studio and a big fintech company. And I learned a lot along the way in terms of launching creative campaigns, helping develop programming, uh, taking on leadership roles, managing people, et cetera. And along the way, I I think I always tried to make it work. Like I always tried to fit in, whether it was yeah. like dressing a certain way to look more creative in advertising or whether it was wearing mock turtlenecks. So I fit in among <laughs> engineers. Yeah. Um, I was always trying to mold myself to fit in, um, whether it was, you know, sitting up straight with a bigger posture, uh, the way I conducted myself in, in meetings, I was always trying to fit in. And, um, you know, fast forward to about a couple of years ago, COVID, like many of, for many of us hit, hit me and my family very hard. I was going through two and a half years of IVF. My husband was treating COVID patients. He's a physician wow. and had my child, I you went through a very significant mental health crisis. And, you know, as hard as that was, it was also looking back a beautiful moment to kind of look at my life and how I was leading it. And um, one of the things that I did during the healing process was write down my values. What do I value? And one value that really stuck out was building community. Yeah. And, and so I used that as kind of like a guiding North star to look at my life. Yeah. Look at my career, look at my family life and look at how I was prioritizing um, my time. So yeah. that in a nutshell, this last <laughs> years and, and here I am today um, leading a life that is more aligned with my values. Yeah. It's so, there's so much in there I want to tackle because, and this is sort of when we first start speaking, like just so many um, similar thoughts. I think COVID, you know, for awful as it was and still continues to be, um, it really did, I think, for a lot of people, 
like force them to their rock bottom place and then make you really realize like, okay, what am I prioritizing? Because suddenly when you're stuck at home with your family and the world is crumbling around you, the things that you thought were really important were not important. So um, I think that that resonates with so, so many people. And especially, you know, I think for women, like the nine to five corporate structure was not created with us in mind. You know, obviously back then we were in the kitchen and at home with the kids. And then during COVID, we were that and also working at the same time. So right. Right. it is this, you know, there's constantly these discussions around how do you have work-life balance and how do you prioritize one over the other? And, you know, we go around the hamster wheel about it, but you made some big, you know, life changes. You lived in, you know, a metropolis, lived in the city, you had a big corporate role, and then you you up and moved your life to Maine and, and really found um, a new way of living. Tell me what, you know, you, you touched on your the mental health crisis and just everything that was going on, but what really gave you the courage to start that journey to really make that decision? Cause that's, that's scary. I don't, I'm, I don't like change. So the thought of moving to a different state, even if it's like New Jersey from Pennsylvania would stress me out. So tell me a bit about that. I, oh, so much to unpack here. I, you know, the nine to five, you know, work-life balance, I think I've started to stop saying work-life balance and ask the question, how do you want to live? How do you want right. to live? How do you want to spend your, how do you want to spend your time? Yeah. Um, you know, spend your time with your family and then, and then working backwards from there in terms of how you structure your life. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, in terms of the big life changes, I had a partner that went through this, went through the trauma of, ex of me living this mental health crisis of me being mm -hmm. hospitalized. And, you know, when you experience what, you know, I almost honestly died. So how do you, when you experience something like that, as severe yeah. as that, and I, I don't think you have to experience something as severe as that. If you're just not happy with your life right. and how do you make changes. And I think for me, it was incredibly motivating to make some pretty significant life changes, which was yes, moving cities, finding a place that wasn't necessarily as hard, as frenetic as New York city and wasn't as costly and finding a place where, you know, people were living a life that they were making more time to connect with their community. Right. And so those, you know, those values with this community aligned with what my husband and I were looking for. And, you know, from a career standpoint, where I was working before didn't necessarily align with who I was. And I think I've always been someone who is very highly motivated and entrepreneurial. And I think I was lucky, right? I had years of experience working yeah. in the corporate world that I could lean on and then go off on my own. Right. Um, so very grateful for that. And I don't regret anything. I mean, there's something yeah. really magical about living in New York City, but it just didn't serve <laughs> me. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't serve me right now. And so I think when you experience something like I experienced, and even if you don't experience something that you ex like that I experienced, it's about how do you want to spend your time in life? How do you want to yeah. live your life? And it's really on you to make that decision. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's so, you know, one thing that I experienced, you know, I, 
by my previous firm was there for a long time. I joined early on. And I, I think, again, as women, we're very proud of our accomplishments, right? We have careers that our mothers didn't have and many of us. And so I started to get really lost in my job and that my job and my employer, that was my part of my identity. And then, you know, trying to find but I'm also a mother and how do I also have my mom hat? But between those two roles, like I'm also this, I was this person before all these things came yeah. to be. Um, and so I think like in the beginning, you're so focused on your career and building, building. And then, you know, if you do start a family, you know, there's these two competing, you know, areas of focus that you get so lost in the middle of that. So, you know, when you realized I... I'm more than this, you know, this is not how I want to live my life. And I want my life to be more than just, I'm more than just a mother. I'm more than just what my career or my role is. Was there a, I guess, within the workplace, um, like an inflection point for you that you realized, because again, it's about courage. It is up to you. But I do think oftentimes the things we want to do are for me, like the scariest. I'm always the most concerned about, well, what is everyone else going to think about this? Even though I know in my gut, this is what I want to do, but I'm so afraid of everyone else's perception for some odd reason. How did you navigate that? It's hard. I think what you're talking about is this concept of if you're enough, am I enough? Yeah. yeah. Without the, the label of these big company names, without the label of, you know, if you're single, having the idea that you don't have a partner or you don't, you don't mm -hmm. have these things to lean on you by yourself. Are you enough? Yeah. And I had to sit with that for a long time. And, you know, when people were asking me what I was doing with my career and I said, you know, at the moment I'm figuring it out and taking time to heal. Um, I wasn't quite ready at that, at that point to share the story of my mental health crisis right. and um, had to do, you know, I did a lot of therapy and I kind of sat with myself um, because a lot of work is, especially it's hard. I mean, for those of us who are moms, you know, it can be very lonely. A lot of people have talked about that, right? You're not having someone tell you, oh my God, you're doing such an amazing job. <laughs> right. We're going to promote you to super mom. Yeah. Like you're having this ego-driven feedback of accomplishments, of titles, salary raises, you're actually not getting paid for this stuff. So yeah. I was in this interesting time period of being a new mom, taking time off of work, leaving a job, leaving this job that, you know, in New York city, it was, it had an incredible reputation, the company, mm -hmm. and you're kind of hiding behind that, that brand yeah. name. It's, it's not just you by yourself and you sitting alone and sharing with people. Well, I, I'm a consultant. Oh, you, well, what company do you work for? Yeah. Well, right. I, I work for myself. Yeah. So there's, there's not this immediate, like, people knowing because you work for a certain company, because you have a certain title, that you are smart, that you are capable, that you have high aptitude, you, you know, all these things that, um, that people can quickly categorize you and quickly glean from just titles and, and names. And so in terms of like an inflection point, I didn't have a choice, right? Like I, I hit rock bottom yeah. and I had to go through the healing process and and figure it out and I think for me putting pen to paper and really sitting in feeling in and, and looking at what my values are 
was incredibly helpful in terms of helping guide me. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you, for you, what's been such an important part of that healing process to you referenced a bit is the community. You know, you, you've moved somewhere where there's this community feeling. And I think, again, we, there's a lot of times discussions around building your network and being out there and networking, which is very important, but having a community that's not necessarily serving your, just your professional career, but just a community of women and peers to, for you to help and for you to get advice from, how did you start to build that community? Like, was it organic? Did you go out and seek out certain types of people? What, what, what were the steps that you took? Because I think some people feel like, what does that mean? Like, how do I do that? Right, exactly. And I also think people are scared and they're icked out by the concept of networking. Yes. There's some people who <laughs> say, I, I, I can't network. I can't do that. If you strip away, like the, just stop using that word network. Just yeah. talk about meeting people, connecting yeah. with people at a very human level. For me, it was moving here and cheering out to my friends um, the fact that I had moved to Portland. Who do you know? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm looking to do. I'm interested in supporting the small business community. So I put that out there, like put out to the universe and tell people what you're looking to do and how you yeah. want to spend your time and ask, ask for help. Who do you know? Can you connect me to people? Yeah. And people want to help each other. And so one you know, friend connected me to so-and-so and then that led to another connection. And soon enough, I was finding myself connected to a community of people that were aligned to my values. And I was becoming involved with organizations. Um, one organization, I've now been teaching a couple classes to start the startup community. That's really important to me. Yeah. Um, and then I've now I'm on a, a nonprofit board that helps support all the lo- local uh, small businesses in town. And that's all because I put it out there yeah. of what I'm looking to do. So I think it's understanding what are you looking for, or you can just start by simply connecting with people, see who you you know resonate with and go from there. And, um, and, and stop using the term network. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I do think oftentimes there's this fear of, you know, asking for something, right? Like you feel, you know, maybe nervous to feel like you're a bother or are they going to want me to, do they want to network with me or do they want to communicate with me? And I think, a lot of times it does just have to start with yourself. Like you said, ask the question, Hey, let's grab coffee or let's, you know, I see that you are connected to this person. Like I'd, I'd love a, an introduction and nine times out of 10 people are always willing to to do that. And again, I think, especially now in a sort of post COVID world, people are dying for human interaction and to yeah. be, you know, off of the Zooms and and in person and and out together and sharing experiences. Um, what are the, you know, in terms of the community that you have and, and, you know, maybe the women or the, maybe there's some men too, that you interact with, what does that look like from an encouraged perspective and what types of gatherings do you have together? Do you, are you getting together with them every so often? And what, what is that like? What does that look like? Um, well, let me, let me first answer the first question of like people being a little nervous about putting themselves out there. Right. And connecting with people. I think if you go into the mindset that 
you know, they're going to help you. Yes. But you can help them and ask yeah. the question, how can I help you? So mm -hmm. it feels reciprocal. I think because people want to give and they, you know, not, they don't want to just receive. Yeah. So no, you can help someone that you're connecting with. Um, so I share that because maybe that's just an easier approach going into meeting someone for the first time. As for my community, it's become a community of men and women um, who are, some of them are startup founders. Some of them are, a lot of them are consultants, have become consultants who've gone off on their own like myself. Yeah. And whenever I meet a, a, a founder of a business who's looking for support when it comes to PR or marketing and I can't serve them, then I send them to the my network yeah. of amazing professionals that are here in Portland, Maine and who live all over the US who I've connected with. Um, so that's been amazing. And then, you know, it's become a community of women who support one another. A lot of us have moved from big cities that don't have family here in town. Yeah. And so we need extra support in terms of childcare, professional support, yeah. emotional support. And so um, some of us are coming together and we're creating more of a formalized network community of women um, that we're going to be hosting a big event in November, which I'm really excited about. And it's the format will be kind of an ask and offer. So you yeah. ask what your need is, and then you offer something that you could provide. And just to be fun and casual and almost feel we're trying to build this like, and you know, one of the things that we've talked about is, is forming a Slack channel. So you can yeah. you know, fire away, ask a question, whether it's personal, professional and get an immediate response. And then my community has also become, because of this board, um, I've met a lot of um, business owners, small business owners around Portland. And that's been absolutely incredible walking into a store and knowing who owns it yeah. and having a personal connection with them. So it's been absolutely beautiful. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I love that you, it started sort of more casual and now it's becoming this more formalized event. That was something, a, a previous boss of mine, and I've said to people on my team, if there's not a, a group that you feel connected to, or that you feel like makes sense for you, start, start it, you know, start from scratch, right. Get, right. get a group of people together and have a conversation and set a cadence. And I think that, you don't realize how much those conversations and meetings can have an impact on you until you actually experience it and go through it. Because sometimes you also just need like a soundboard, right? To talk yeah. to that's objective, that isn't in the day-to-day -day of your personal life or professional life. And, you know, for me, I was always so nervous to put myself out there. And even though I'm a recruiter and I'm in sales and I talk to people all day is my job. It was for a very specific reason. Like I, this is why we're talking and this is right. just very entering, transactional. Yeah. Entering a conversation just yeah. for, to be me was terrifying. And I think especially with other women, I almost was more nervous because when I first started in the corporate world, I don't, women allies were harder for me to find because we were all competing, you know, like there wasn't yeah. very different 15 years ago than it is now. And once I started to do that, it was like, wow, people generally, and other people are feeling the same way as I am. Like, I'm not, it, this isn't a, you know, thing that's special to me. Other people are, are experiencing these things. Um, you know, you've talked a little bit about mental health as well. And just, you know, 
creating a life that is full of meaning. And I do think there's also this big movement of, you know, women having it all, right? And you can create a life for yourself that doesn't look traditional and you can have an income without, you know, working traditional hours. What, in terms of you future planning, you know, right now you're, you have a lot of exciting new projects going on, but what have you learned through this journey that you're going to take with you next? You know, if you end up maybe going back in full-time somewhere or, or things start to evolve for you a bit, what are the biggest takeaways from some of this experience that you'll prioritize, you know, next time around? Oh, wow. Um, Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that there is nothing more important than prioritizing your health, whether that, and that's not just mental, mental and emotional, but also physical health. Um, making sure that you are healthy. I mean, we talk about this all the time, secure your mask before securing others, yeah. but it is, it's, it's absolutely so necessary. I mean, when I plan my week, I always plan it around my therapy, my workout classes, and I make sure yeah. that nothing gets in the way with, with, with that. Absolutely. Like that's my table stakes. Like yeah. that's where I start with my schedule. And then I go from there. Um, what I've learned is that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to start out without getting the hits of ego boost, boosts of like titles, names, et cetera, yeah. like talking about, but once you settle in and, you know, I still struggle with that. Like I, you know, on LinkedIn, when we, you know, you, you log in and you see all these people getting promotions, yeah. you know? marketing. So I see these people being attached to these huge campaigns. They're at can, you know, and receiving yeah. awards. Like that's amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm now in a different world where I'm off on my own consulting. Um, but if you can sit with yourself and, and know that those titles, money, et cetera, don't drive happiness, mm -hmm. um, you, and you feel, you'll just start to feel more comfortable in your own skin self. And so when you do receive those rejections, like, you know, you want to meet for coffee with someone and they're like, Hey, can't meet, or they promise that they'll connect you with someone and they don't, yeah. it's not, it's not so devastating. It's like, right. I'll be fine. I'm okay. I, <laughs> right, I'm, right. And I'm going to move on and try something else and put myself out there. Um, so I think in terms of my next journey or chapter in life, I don't know necessarily what that looks like. I just know that right now I know what keeps me healthy and yeah. happy and fulfilled and it will evolve. And knowing that as long as I'm, you know, my life is relatively aligned to my values, I will, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy and fulfilled. Yeah. Now, one thing you said that struck me, you know, titles and money don't drive happiness. And I do think I recently learned that. Um, and I, for so long, was just so focused on earning a certain amount of money and getting this certain level and title and feeling like recognized, right? Like the the need, the ego's need for validation 
and right. in all aspects of life, like you said, even in personal life, sometimes I'm like, man, I wish this person would just be like, good job or something. Right. Um, but I did get to a point, you know, I've struggled with mental health my whole life. I have anxiety, I have depression. Um, and I think I hid that for a while. I tried to ignore it because it's, you know, it was shameful to talk about and embarrassing. And I did get to a point where I felt like this, none of this is making me better or happier. Like it's actually sucking the life out of me. Um, and I started again, I had this community of women I was talking to who were, you know, sharing their stories and being proud of walking away from jobs that weren't making them happy. And to me, I felt like, again, when I started out in the corporate world, like you're, you know, feminism and we can have what the men have. And I was so like sucked into this thought process, but I'm not a man. I'm a highly sensitive woman. I'm a mother. Like those things don't work for me. Um, So I guess the point of me saying all of this is, you know, people who are starting out now, maybe they're five years into their career and, you know, I don't, necessarily think jobs are linear anymore. I think you can really carve your path um, in in a lot of different ways. If you were, if someone reached out to you, right, maybe they're five-year marketing professional or any type of professional and they feel stuck and they're not happy and they don't know what that next step looks for or looks like, what would you, what would that conversation be like? How would you use your experience to sort of guide them a bit? What do you want? <laughs> you know? Like spend time. I know I keep going back to this. How do you, what gives you joy? I know that sounds so annoying because everyone talks about <laughs> what gives you joy. Yeah. Um, but what makes you happy and really try not to focus on titles or specific yeah. job roles. Just be basic about, you know, creativity makes me happy. Okay. Yeah. So if creativity makes you happy, And I also enjoy um, teaching people. Okay, so teaching people makes you happy. Being creative makes you happy. All right, let's start to figure out different paths or even companies or cultures that value creativity, that value education and teaching and and self-development and all of that. It doesn't have to be as drastic as a career change, moving cities, you know, all of those things. It can be an adjustment and tweak. Um, So I think it's starting there around kind of what gives you energy and just being self-aware and, but that does come with age, right? Like you can say that to someone as some, you know, when I was in my twenties, um, figuring out what brought me joy. What's interesting (laughs) is that I, I think I had it more right when I was in my twenties because I didn't know anything else. And I wasn't motivated by titles. I hadn't been sucked up into the corporate world. I was a high school teacher right out of college. And I was actually working for this school that was incredibly nurturing and and wonderful and gave me a huge runway to try things out. And and then all of a sudden I thought, oh, I got to try the corporate world. Well, the corporate world can be wonderful for people. People thrive in the corporate world. I'm not saying the corporate world isn't necessarily right, uh, isn't necessarily wrong for everyone. But when you're talking to people that might feel stuck, it's about, okay, what what does give you joy or what what makes you excited? Maybe starting there. Yeah. Maybe you won't get, um, it won't be perfect. Nothing's perfect, right? But you know, maybe you need to try something else and see right. how that 
works or feels. And then if it doesn't work, you can, you can evolve yeah. and maybe it's also joining a nonprofit board or volunteering your time. Yeah. You know, not everyone has the wherewithal or the courage to make a complete leap. And sometimes it's not necessarily the smartest move. Sometimes, right. you know, my husband, I stuck in a, in the corporate world. I had to stick in, I had to stay in the corporate world for a long, much longer than I wanted to, because we were living in New York city. My husband was in training and we were paying off his medical school. Loans. Yeah. And so there were financial implications to that. So what did I do? I made some choices in terms of, you know, switching roles within the company that I felt more, that was yeah. more fulfilling. So there are tweaks and changes that you can make. And sometimes it's seeing what feels good and then going from there and evolving. Yeah. I like that you said that the tweaks, because I do think like sometimes people feel like it has to be this giant drastic, you know, no. gesture or change. And to your point, financially, sometimes people don't have that privilege to be able to do that. You know, I always say I'm so incredibly fortunate. I have a very supportive partner. We were in a situation where I could take four months off because I needed a break. I had no idea where I was going next, but that was a privilege. Not a lot of people have that. So I do think, you know, looking at small tweaks you can make and I have a lot of people, again, I'm, I work in talent acquisition that say, I'm, I'm in this role now, but this is what I want to be doing. And a lot of times it's just, well, research that. What do you need to do that? What yeah. can you accomplish? You know, set realistic goals for yourself. And then you, at least you have something you're working towards, right? And that can even just help shift the mindset of feeling stuck. Like you're working towards something, um, and I love to getting involved with nonprofits. I mean, having passion projects, I think are so important in life. I, uh, before yeah. corporate Sarah, I was a dancer. I went to school for performing arts. Awesome. It was in the arts. And now I'm like, and that was such a hard transition for me. Cause I was sitting at a desk every day and not feeling creative at all. Um, so I really had to find ways to like feed that need, um, and create space for that. And I do think it's so in, so important and it's not a weakness to to need fulfillment outside of that. Um, I have one last question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just agreeing with you. Absolutely. You know, I, I think honestly, what keeps you sane sometimes is, is having those side hustle projects too. Yeah. Um, I know it can be exhausting. So people who are working in industries where it, it is you know, definitely not nine to five. It is more sometimes six thirty to eight o'clock at yeah. night. It's you know, especially with commutes. And um, but if you can have these side hustles, or at least have friend groups that where you're asking questions about what's going on in their lives, learning yep. you know the, about their experiences in the industry, seeing if that feels like a good fit. I mean, there's different ways to learn about things, even if it's through osmosis. Yeah, um, it doesn't have to be huge a huge plunge into a different industry to, because it might not be right. You know, also right. you don't know, you don't get the job until you get the job. So sometimes you have to try something out to see if it fits. And sometimes it's smarter just to make small adjustments. And that may be just simply doing, bring, you know, taking on a volunteer project. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is a, a question that I'm just has come to me as we're having this discussion. Um, you know, we, are women who were both mothers, we've both had, you know, careers. Do you think that there is, if you think about the traditional feminism sense, right? Like 
you know, having the same rights and the same pay and the same, the same, right? But now we're, you know, there's some people who feel like, well, now you're asking for so much because you want the same, but you also don't want to put in the same hours or you don't want to have the same in office, you know, expectations. Do you think that this is feminism evolving or a new a new movement that is sort of happening. And again, this just came to my mind. So I'm putting you on the spot here, but I do think it can be controversial sometimes for people. I think sometimes I think we're so focused on time spent doing something. And yeah. you know, now that I've gone off on my own and doing consulting, you know, oftentimes you talk about your hourly rate. Well, I've been in the industry for 16 plus years. I can do what takes someone who's been in the industry a lot less, lot, yeah. you know, not as long, you know, an hour, I can accomplish probably so much more within that hour. Yeah. So I don't know if that's answering your question, but I do think we need to stop looking at time spent on the job. The women, and this is based on, you know, my own experience, women I've worked with are so much more efficient about mm-hmm. getting shit done we <laughs> yeah do and we do it well yeah and because we we aim to appease yeah. too like it's kind of some of our issue but I do think as a system we need to stop talking about this concept of hours spent yes yes and and look at what what people can bring to the table and and look at the years they have spent honing their craft uh, I know that doesn't answer your question, but I do think when when women are taking on the brunt of household work and, you know, look, we're doing our our work with our partners to make sure and, and we're talking about heterosexual couples, right? Yeah. Who, male and female. So I'm also looking at this with a very limited perspective. Yeah. Um, but talking to my husband about division of work. Um, how I want to spend my time with, you know, my friends outside of the house, you know, yeah. how, how I want to, you know, be a mom and spend time with my daughter, et cetera. But so we kind of look at everything with this like sense of time. Yeah. And I think we, especially in the working world, our system needs to start looking at maybe it doesn't matter if the woman is working from, you know, seven to seven and she's truncated her day because this woman's really motivated to still have the same response sense of responsibility at work, the same, um, uh, title, et cetera. She'll work her, I don't know. She'll work really hard. Yeah. 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 No, that is your question, but I do think we need to, with, with this idea of feminism and equal pay and, you know, um, given the chance to have these titles and roles, we need to start to look at the required amount of time that a woman needs to be spending at her job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely did because I I think it's shifted for some companies, but yes, it's this like clock in, clock out, you know, what do you do during those hours? And I think- I've had some bosses that were, that was, you could be playing solitaire on your computer, but you had to sit at that desk till 6.30, like, why? And then I've had some who said, you know, if you're three o'clock to five o'clock, your brain, like you're done, then stop working. And I'm always, especially, you know, I'm lucky enough to work remote. 
I usually am done earlier in the day to like get the kids home and make dinner, but then I'm, I'm always happy to hop back on later because I feel right. refreshed. I can focus now. Like I haven't been sitting here for hours. So you did, I, I think it is, it's, there's a lot of systematic changes that have to happen to allow yeah. a lot of this to flourish. Um, but yeah, no, you definitely, um, definitely answered my question. I think there's so much more we could talk about in terms of mental health and the system and things, but we are um, almost at time. So maybe we'll have to do a part two um, because I've I've just loved this discussion. Um, But one question we always ask our guests and whether or not you're a tea drinker is how do you take your tea? And if not, what is your beverage of choice? I always start out with a cup of coffee in the morning and uh, whole milk. Okay. that's actually just how my uh my sister-in-law drinks it and my mother I'm like the oddball I always have to bring the almond milk when we travel (laughs) on vacation (laughs) um love that well tonight it was such a great conversation thank you so much for joining me and I'm sure we'll be doing more of these because we have so much more we could talk about but I really appreciate your time today yeah thank you so much Sarah and I love the questions thank you thank you thanks everyone see you soon